Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, December the 28th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I'm joined on a midweek episode of the Hot Read Podcast by, as always, producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to finally start making this Titans content again after our short little hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> Internet so... issues as well. I'm currently... Uh, we're currently broadcasting this to each other via my phone's hotspot because my I think my router has just croaked. I think it just decided to to die on me. Um, it keeps getting fixed, and then it will last me like four hours post the customer service call before it croaks again. Um, it not actually croak like it just it it has an epileptic epileptic seizure and just the lights start flashing and dancing and the internet stops working. Um, and it's been the bane of my existence for two full days now. Um, so we're just doing it. And if the quality of my video or audio at any point goes down, sorry about it. I'm at my wits end with, with this and I'm just going to need to get a new router, but I think that we're fine. Um, shout out AT&T for at least providing a hotspot for us. That's going to work. We've got a lot to talk about today. JT, the Titans similar to my router are, um, having epileptic fits of personnel issues right now. They have seemingly waved the white flag for Thursday night football. We're going to talk all about that today and I, I wanted to get into our show because we we you know weren't able to do a recap show on Monday as usual and because we got the Thursday game midweek kind of throws off our content schedule just to give everybody an idea of what we've got going on today will kind of be a joint recap and preview uh, of last week's game and this upcoming game on Thursday night and then on Friday morning first thing back as our regularly scheduled programming we will have a recap episode recorded from either Friday morning or the Thursday night before if JT and I decide to stay up late and talk about this game. If not, it'll be up by lunchtime on Friday. We'll have recapped the Thursday night game. We'll talk about um, the upcoming NFL slate. We'll do our best bet gauntlet. May or may not have James Foster Friday, depending on if there's much to talk about in terms of the Titans. And we will look ahead to their week 18 game, which in case you are just tuning into our show for the first time in a month is the only game left for the Titans that actually matters. And so that's going to be the focus of not just how we talk about this upcoming game on Thursday night, but also what we're focused on for the Titans and what is and isn't important for the remainder of the season. It all boils down to what is the best case scenario for them going into Jacksonville in week 18 for a, you know, an, NF an AFC South championship game, essentially. That's what it's come down to. And so that's what this team is focused on. And because we're not doing winners and losers from Monday, JT, I, I didn't want to just talk, you know, ad nauseum about this game coming up. There's not a whole lot to talk about. There's not a whole lot going on in this game in terms of who's going to win. Um, there's a whole lot going on in terms of who is and isn't going to play. But the Titans are acknowledging the fact that this game ultimately for their playoff hopes does not matter to them. Now, it does matter some, I think, just in the sense that momentum is a thing in the NFL, whether somebody wants to or not to tell you that is the case. There are some people that argue it's not in a, in a game to game basis. I guess the argument is in, in a game momentum may or may not exist. There's, there's an argument for and against momentum within a single game, but from a week to week basis, I don't think JT that there's a reasonable argument against the idea that you can't magically show up in week 18 on a what would be a, a six game losing streak and decide to just be good again. Now, you can be significantly better by plugging in 
key guys that were out for injury that you'd been missing. And from a personnel standpoint, you can get better in that way, but you can't just magically decide to flip the win lose switch to win um, in one week after having not won in two and a half or in a month and a half rather. And with, even if you get all the guys that they could reasonably get back for that game, you're still going to be pretty shorthanded on the offensive line with your skill position guys available. There definitely is not going to be an in- intact defense. I will believe it when I see it. If you tell me this defense is going to be everybody that is injured back and ready to go and healthy for that week 18 game, like it's not happening. And so there is something to be said about, can they gain some momentum from this week? Now, based on the guys they're playing, I think the answer is probably no. But before we get into all of that with the news, and we'll cover that with UJT here in a couple of minutes, I wanted to do the top of the show, uh, a, a segment that we had done before this year, I believe. We've done this, right? Am I imagining yes, this? Yes, we have. We've yeah, done so it we, once before, I think. We did it once before, and I like this one. Um, borrowing it from Colin Coward, who does this on his show, on his podcast network, I think it's a great concept. It's called Fake Questions, Real Answers, JT, and it's questions that if I were to have put out a Q&A on Twitter or say, hey, I need your questions for a mailbag that we're doing on the podcast this week. These are the questions I would have for myself, and they're the questions that I would hope that you all would ask. But I'm just, frankly, too lazy today to have put out said tweet and hope that the right people ask the right questions. So I've asked the questions for you, for myself. I've saved you and myself some time and effort. You're welcome. So without further ado, JT, we've got three big questions here that I would like to pretend people asked me. Can you give us the first question? Yeah, so our first question here, and we're going to skip right past this Thursday night game and talk about the only game that matters, which is the Titans-Jaguars game. And Is there a chance that this game in Week 18 gets flexed into a primetime slot? Fantastic question, JT. I'm 99% certain that the Titans-Jaguars game in Week 18 will be flexed into Sunday night football by NBC. So... NBC, from a programming standpoint, their track record with final game of the regular season, Sunday Night Football in the final week of the year, their track record indicates that they love, love, love drama. And in particular, they love to have a game that they are guaranteed will not have been ruined by games earlier in the day. In other words, games that no matter what happens up until the very last game of the year, that game still has meaning. And they love winning in games. They love games that are de facto division titles, de facto wild card spot elimination games. They love games where the winner gets into the playoffs and the loser goes home. And when you look at the week 18 slate, Titans Jaguars is the clear favorite in this category. We were actually talking about it in the postgame press conference room after the Titans lost to the Texans on Saturday. Uh, me and uh, Paul Kaharski and um, Teron Davenport and some of these guys that you know and we've had on the show before were just going through the slate trying to figure out what games could they flex? What fits the MO of what NBC wants? And this game is really the only one that sticks out. It's going to be no matter what happens in week 17, no matter what happens in week 18 during the day before the final game of the season, this game will have the same significance no matter what. The only other game on the Week 18 slate that could fit the bill for the last game of the year is Detroit visiting Green Bay. That's a game that could end up being a competition for the last wild card spot in the NFC. Winner gets in and is a wild card team, loser goes home. However, I do think, and I'd have to go and check all the different possibilities on a playoff simulator, but I'm 
pretty sure that that game could be impacted by other games on week 18. You could see commanders wins or losses, Seahawks wins or losses that impact the importance or the outcome of that game, or I guess the implications of the outcome of that game. And so I think that the easy, clear and obvious answer here from network executives is going to be Titans Jaguars. It's, it's dummy proof. It's going to matter no matter what. It's a division championship game de facto, and the loser doesn't even get a wild card. The stakes are the highest on paper. Now, it is funny that it we've set up here a, a strange circumstance in which the Titans and the Jags, neither of which ha- have claimed an, a playoff spot yet, neither of which have claimed the division title yet, and yet neither have a game in Week 17, the second-to-last game of the year, that matters. It doesn't matter at all what happens in either the Titans or the Jaguars games this week. The Jaguars, I believe, are on the road playing the Texans. The Titans hosting the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. The outcomes have no bearing whatsoever on their playoff chances. It does, however, still remain to be seen whether they get into the playoffs or not because neither is eliminated. Both have to play for Week 18. And so it's this weird situation where both teams have available to them essentially a bye this week if they choose to take it. And and they both have to some extent. The Titans in particular with the personnel they're going to have out there. And yet they've not clinched anything and they're not eliminated yet. It's a very strange circumstance. I can't remember seeing anything like this. And it does bring up the funny reality that the Titans are essentially JT going to be pushing out a preseason quality of entertainment. The the product they're going to have out there is going to be preseason quality with the guys that they're going to have playing for, for the, for this team on Thursday night. It's going to be a, a real, What's a what's a kind way of putting it? A ragtag crew of players out there. They're gonna, I'm sure, add to their running total of different players used in a single season, which last I checked is in the 80s. We may have more on that in the news. I'm not sure. They are pushing and pushing towards breaking their previous record they set last year of 93 players in a single season. And this game could help that total tremendously because anybody that is important to them will be resting. And so they may be the first team ever to have the worst possible product on the field in primetime one week. And despite that, the NFL still the next week willingly puts them in primetime again. People are going to be so sick and tired of watching this Titans team play in primetime to cap off the regular season. It's going to be gross. I love it. It's really funny to me. And it's not one of those things where it's like the Broncos this year. I had somebody respond to, that sentiment of mine on Twitter that's like, well, the Broncos have been doing that all year long, man. The Rams, like they've been in primetime over and over. Those are mistakes the NFL made in the beginning of the season. They couldn't change those things. This is a thing where the Titans aren't in primetime next week. And even though the product they have on the field for Thursday night this week is going to be a disaster, the NFL is still almost certainly going to say, we need to bump them up, put them back in primetime, baby, run it back. We need to see that again. And so that's really, really funny to me. This Dallas game, by the way, uh, I checked before we got on JT. It opened at Dallas minus nine and a half, which on the road on a short week is a tremendous number to be laying uh, as a favorite. It's now climbed up since the Titans final injury report came out all the way up to minus 12. The Vegas thinks this is going to be a complete and utter non-competition. I can't wait for us both to have to be there for it and spend our Thursday night watching it and then talk about it. For Friday's show but that's the way the cookie crumbles and that is where this this final game of the year is likely headed next question 
For our second question here, head coach Mike Vrabel mentioned to you in the press last week after their loss to the Texans that he wants to see some more effort from the players outside the building. Why do you think he said that? And do you think he had somebody in particular in mind? Yeah, so JT, it really bothered me that it took all the way until Wednesday evening for me to address this. I've been wanting to talk about this on the show all week because ever since that press conference on Saturday evening, this has been the thing that has fascinated me most. And it's been the thing that has kind of dominated Titans media circles this week. I want to first play the video. And this is a video courtesy of friend of the show, Teron Davenport over at ESPN. He is the one that asked this question that got a great response out of Mike Vrabel. You occasionally get him to spill these nuggets that otherwise he's very close to the chest about. I want us to get the exact quote from Vrabel before we talk about what I think he was referencing. Here's the video say maybe we should love preparing and, and doing the things before the game are you saying that that you may not have 100 percent buy-in from, from that buy-in. it's just how much are we doing outside of the time that we're at the facility i don't know you know what i mean those are questions that if they just if you as a professional athlete just work eight to four or eight to four thirty you get out of it. Maybe God gifted you with some really, really cool talents. We just have to all do a little bit more. That's that's with me, preparation, and that's with the coaches and the players. Just a little bit more of everything. So Vrabel, first of all, Mike Vrabel does not say something like this if he does not have someone or a few someones in particular in mind. I don't think some people questioned whether or not this is becoming maybe a widespread issue in the locker room. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I refuse to believe that this is an overarching issue in the Titans locker room simply because this isn't the culture that he's instilled in his time in Tennessee. And it's not the cultural expectations that are set and, you know, players are held to these standards by both the coaching staff and by the leaders within the locker room, the, the players that you you look at as the leaders on this team, the Jeffrey Simmons, the Derrick Henrys, the Kevin Byards, the Ryan Tannehills, these guys hold their respective rooms, their respective teammates to this very high cultural standard in that regard. And so I don't see any way that this is a, a pervasive problem that's being allowed in this locker room by this team, by these team leaders. I do have one person on this team, one player on the Titans team in particular that I can say with confidence is on this list of guys that Mike Frabel has in mind here, and it's Zach Cunningham. Now, I, I referenced this, teased it a little bit on Twitter earlier this week, I believe in a thread talking with Tyler Rowland of Tic Tac Titans, uh, Locked on Titans podcast. I can say with certainty that Zach Cunningham is one of these guys I can't explain fully how I know it um, because it was a conversation that I had in the press conference room with some other people in the press that are that have been doing this longer than I have are a little bit more connected than I am. And they brought up an interesting point that I went back and, and looked through some of the media available from media members talking to Titans players in the locker room in the past week or two. And based on a response from Zach Cunningham to a question that was asked of him by one of the members of the media, 
we know for a fact that during his time on IR, recovering from his elbow injury that kept him off the field for the majority of this season, he was focused entirely on his rehab and recovery and was not spending any time in meeting rooms or keeping up to date with the game plan or keeping in touch with coaches and players. He was focused entirely on himself. And when this person asked him this question and got that response from him, they being the pro that they are even gave him a, they they told me that it was essentially a life preserver tossed, tossed him a bone here, trying to give him an opportunity to clarify and frankly rectify what was not a great look in terms of an answer. So they doubled down and and essentially asked, you really spent no time in meeting rooms. You spent no time with coaches or staying up to date with the game plan or watching film or anything. And for some odd reason, Cunningham was very adamant that no, he was focused entirely on his rehab and recovery. He's not been up to date with those things. And that's a bad answer. It's a bad look. It's, it's being a bad teammate. It's frankly being a bad professional athlete. Um, you don't see guys at the top of their game going on injured reserve or being out for injury for any amount of time, not continuing to stay locked in however they can off of the field. That's not something that Cunningham was doing. And we saw him not look very good in his return, brief return last week before going down with another elbow injury. I'd assume it's an aggravation of the same injury he's been out with all year. He's a guy that's had a dramatic fall from grace JT very quickly. He, if folks don't remember was picked up by this Titans team on waivers last year towards the back third of the season was a guy that was a former NFL uh, league leader for a season. I I think it was the 29th season, 2019 season, but he led the entire league one season recently as the, the tackle leader. Um, for solo tackles, he was the, the best linebacker in the league, according to some, and you know, the Texans fell apart. The Titans picked him up. Cunningham, frankly, was, was let go by the Texans for behavioral issues, which I think kind of tracks here. Um, he wasn't being a very good teammate and that the locker room culture they were trying to instill his actions didn't really mesh with that. And so it seems like after being a really solid, nice addition, Late in the season last year for the Titans, came in, was immediately an impact player, a liability in the passing game, but from a run-stopping standpoint and a tackling standpoint, fantastic. He's not had any of that this year. He's been bad on the field. He's been very rarely on the field, and he's been dealing with the same injury all year that, strangely, despite clearly him spending all of his time and energy on his rest and recovery, is going to keep him out, I think, for the rest of the year, and he's a guy that absolutely will be cut this offseason, he's not going to stick around. They're not going to pay him the 10 or 12 million they owe him next year. He, he's going to be a casualty that clears off a lot of cap space. And, and this Titans team, I think, has already moved on from him um, in all regards, except for formally signing at the bottom of the page and canceling, terminating his employment. Uh, he doesn't seem to be at all connected with this locker room. He doesn't seem to be at all on the good side of these coaches. And not to key in exclusively on him like he's the only guy that Vrabel mentioned here because you know we heard Vrabel mention essentially that he thinks he's got some eight to four guys on the roster and and Paul Kaharski followed that question up asking if he felt like Vrabel had some eight to four guys on this roster 
Vrabel obfuscated from there. He didn't answer the question directly, but the fact that he dropped that little nugget, something that I mean, Mike Vrabel is very careful with his words. He does not say things flippantly. He does not say things unless he feels like it's in the best interest of the team and of his operation as the head coach of this football team to let them be known. And clearly he thinks it's reached a point with this team with a handful of guys. And again, I think this is a handful of guys in particular that he has in mind that go probably beyond just Zach Cunningham. He's not happy with the effort they're putting in outside of the building. He's not happy with the effort that they're putting in when they, you know, leave the meeting rooms. He's not happy with the fact that he doesn't see them at at the facility early and late. He only sees them during office hours. And then beyond that, he doesn't know what they're doing or maybe sees them on Instagram at the club. Like there, there are some guys that he's not happy with or else he does not say that. And so I think that's fascinating. I think that this is going to be an ongoing conversation as we try to figure out just who might fit that bill. I think that there will be some clues for us as personnel get shifted around the rest of the season, as well as especially at the very beginning of the off season, when you see guys get cut, who does and doesn't get retained will be interesting um, from that standpoint, I think you might see some guys that might surprise you a little bit. Oh, the Titans are letting go of him. Maybe he was an eight to four guy. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility, and it'll be fascinating to watch. All right, JT, our final question for fake questions, real answers. Yeah, and probably the question of the week leading up to this Thursday night game, because there has been a lot, and I mean a lot of buzz this week regarding who will play quarterback for the Titans on Thursday night, both from just casual fans and the media. Is it still going to be Malik Willis? Do they rest him like the rest of the team and so many others and roll with Josh Dobbs in a meaningless game? What will their decision tell us? So this is a question that I have found utterly disinteresting for a couple of weeks now, until just a day or two ago, frankly, but I've changed my mind on this. This is the most interesting question for the Titans going into Thursday night football and what the Titans choose to do here could speak volumes. My my disinterest with this question lay in this simple fact from the standpoint of Malik's development, rolling Josh Dobbs out there makes very, very little sense. But at the end of the day, playing quarterback in the NFL requires reps, right? Reps, reps, reps. That's ultimately how you get better. And so this on the surface seems like an opportunity to get Malik Willis as many reps as possible. If you want him to potentially win you a game in week 18 and then be capable of helping win games in the playoffs, he needs as many, frankly, practice snaps as he can get. And that's what this week is going to be because the game doesn't matter at all. But by resting so many key players in this game, along with the specter of Ryan Tannehill potentially returning for week 18. At least it's been clearly reported that that's what he's interested in doing, which is what he's trying very hard to do, whether it's likely or not. That makes this decision, I think, a Pandora's box of potential outcomes for the Titans. So let me explain. I'm hearing from some people that I trust that, that have gotten in and around this organization a general vibe and this is this none of this is reporting this is a this is a gut feeling a vibes take from people but it's people that i trust and people that i think have a pretty good finger on the pulse of this organization they say that they get the impression there's a chance that Josh Dobbs does start for the Titans this week 
if you're trying to protect Malik Willis in in this game and have him as safe and as healthy as possible for week 18, that could make some sense. But what will his status in this week 17 game tell us? I think it could tell us four things. It is either a luxury move, a necessity move, a foreshadowing move, or a lack of confidence move. So let me walk us through this. I think option one is that it's a luxury move, right? He is their guy for the game in Jacksonville. Malik is their guy. This coaching staff is confident that he's polished enough to miss out on the reps from this week. And they think that keeping him healthy for week 18 is what is most important to them. Does that sound like the right call based on what you have seen and heard from this team and seen from Malik on the field this season? I think this is probably the least likely of the four possibilities to explain why he doesn't play this week. He's not in a position to be polished enough to, you know, take advantage of the luxury of not needing to play. If, if, if he is their guy for week 18, I think they're going to be very, very tempted to play him in this game, no matter how lacking his support might be. Option two is that it's simply a necessity move. They, need him for the game in Jacksonville. Tannehill's not coming back. He needs as many reps as he can possibly get. But frankly, they think that he's liable to get killed out there with this group of guys they'd be putting around him on Thursday night football. And so they're begrudgingly resting him. They're resting him because they think they can win week 18 with him and they just need him healthy. And although this week would be nice to get some a full game of, of real live reps in for him, they can't risk him potentially getting hurt before this pivotal Week 18 game. That's a possibility. I think another very real possibility is option three, that it's a foreshadowing move. Maybe they do play him tomorrow on Thursday Night Football, and maybe it's because they think that he needs as many reps as he can no matter what. This team can't magically become great in week 18 without some positive momentum. I think that they need to, as as well as get guys back, like I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, they need some positive momentum going into Jacksonville, or else it's going to be really hard to flip that switch. But maybe, maybe it means they think there is a real chance that Tannehill does come back in week 18. So playing Willis this week isn't as big of a risk as it otherwise would be. I'm not saying it's likely Tannehill comes back. I'm not saying it's likely he comes back in his, and is any good. I think there's a possibility he pushes to get back, and there's a statue back there. Now, we've seen this year that statue Tannehill has actually been a serviceable quarterback, and again, maybe that's, the, that's what this team thinks. Maybe they think all we need is a serviceable guy to be able to game manage, and we can win this game in Jacksonville. The fourth possibility, and I don't think this one is very likely. I think it's actually pretty moronic, but I can't say that it's not a within the realm of possibility. That's not an option on the table for explaining how this week and next week goes. It could be a lack of confidence move. And by lack of confidence, I mean lack of confidence in Malik Willis. I dumped on anybody and everybody for the past two weeks who said this team should consider playing Josh Dobbs last week against the Texans. All these fall for life fanboy morons on the internet talking about he's polished. He's a veteran in the NFL. Re relax, buddy. Like he's, he's awful. He's been a fourth string quarterback in, 
Pittsburgh for 10 seconds behind Duck Dodgers and Mason Rudolph and, and a bunch of horrible quarterbacks up there. And he's been in Tennessee for four seconds. He doesn't know this offense well. He doesn't have a, a rapport with any of the players he'd be throwing the ball to. That's a horrible choice. And that's what I've been saying for two weeks now. I don't think that it's suddenly not a horrible choice. I think it still is a horrible choice. But perhaps this coaching staff thinks they have a real shot to win in week 18 if they can get just any amount of serviceable passing from their quarterback. I think with certain guys returning from injury, if you get the best case outcome in terms of your personnel, it's possible. It's possible that this team could contend and and hang in a game against Jacksonville in which the quarterback just doesn't F it up. And so they may think they just need a guy who can protect the football, facilitate a few key game management situations. And frankly, maybe they aren't sure that Josh Dobbs doesn't give them a better opportunity to do that than Malik Willis. Maybe this week 17 game ends up being Josh Dobbs's audition to potentially start in week 18. Now, I think this option is the most unlikely. I think it's completely moronic. Again, this is explaining possible mentalities trying to get into the minds of the coaching staff. They're not arguments from my standpoint. I'm not arguing that this is what you should do. I'm arguing it's what you should not do. I think that it's a dead-end possibility because even if you think Josh Dobbs gives you a better chance to win in Jacksonville just as a conservative game manager, ball protector, it is a dead-end possibility. It is a dead-end road in terms of going anywhere this season. You can't have Josh Dobbs be your quarterback of choice going into the playoffs and expect to do anything against good teams. It's not a reality, and so I don't see this team thinking that's where they should ultimately go with these next two weeks and starting at the quarterback position. But it's a it's a possibility, and if we see Dobbs play, I think it's going to open up a whole realm of questions such as, does Tannehill potentially come back next week? Have they lost faith in Malik? Do they think Malik's going to get killed out there if they play him? Do they think Malik is good enough to just take the rest and is polished enough to come in week 18 healthy and facilitate this team? These are all questions that will be answered based on who starts tomorrow. And if you made me give you an answer right now, JT, I'm leaning towards Josh Dobbs playing in week 17. I won't ultimately be surprised if either of them play. I won't be surprised if both of them play. Maybe Malik starts, and if they, if and when things get out of hand very quickly, he's no longer starting, uh, no longer playing, and you have Josh Dobbs go in there and just clean up or you know facilitate the remainder of the mess that is this game. It's something to watch, though, and I think it's the most interesting thing going into this game that otherwise doesn't have a whole lot of interesting things going on. All right, that's going to do it for fake questions, real answers. Thanks, JT, for walking us through that. And thanks for uh, everybody who, you know, I'm sure would have asked these questions if I'd asked them to. So I just saved you the trouble and asked them myself. We've got Titans news coming up with the JT, and we'll talk about all the guys that who, all the guys who are and are not going to be playing in this game. But first, if you do not know, this is a video show. Now it has been for what two months, JT. It's been a while, so you you are really behind if you don't know by now. We're on YouTube. Go over to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube, subscribe, and you can get this show as well as all of the Mike Herndon shows, all of Football and Other F-Words shows, special clips and, and future shows that we're hoping to get up on YouTube on a regular basis. 
in the future. All that great stuff. We got a great bit of video content on the show now, JT. You really can't fully appreciate our show for the past two months without watching it as well as listening to it because we've got so many elements that we throw up on the screen and videos to show and graphics to show. It's a it's a beautiful product. We recommend you go and listen over at YouTube as well as on your podcast platform of choice. Also, got to throw out there real quick, if you are an advertiser or would be interested in becoming an advertiser, you have a business, maybe in the Tennessee area, maybe you have uh, uh, you are an employee of a business that you think would be a good fit. We have advertising opportunities here on the show and on broadwaysportsmedia.com. We've been talking about this quite a bit for the past month or so, um, and you haven't seen any advertisers pop up. That's because we're in, in talks with some certain uh, businesses. We also are going to be hitting the advertising front really hard once the regular season ends and we get into prepping for our draft content in the, in the spring. We're going to be looking to get some advertisers for those two or three months of draft talk. And so we would love to just have a conversation with you about that. You can hit us up via our emails, which you can find on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Or if you want to just hit us up on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever, you can do that. And we would love to have a conversation with you. One last thing, JT, while I mentioned social media, just got to throw out there. If you aren't aware, we are now the Hot Read Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Very social media friendly this show. We've got clips, best bits of the show and, and best um, insight from interviews that I get with key players and coaches at the games. We've got all of that going up in uh, bite-sized clips on TikTok and Instagram. Go and subscribe at Hot Read Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the social media that is relevant. Sorry, boomers, not on Facebook, not going to be. I don't know how Facebook works. I don't care to know. But <laughs> we've got, we've got a, a lot of great content there. So go and check it out. All right, enough filibustering. JT, let's get into some Titans news. Let's start off this Titans news segment by, first of all, let's just get the injury report out of the way. If you've been watching your Twitter feeds at all today, you probably already understand how the Titans are approaching this game, but I'm just going to run it down for you real quick. The Titans Wave are the totally waving the white flag on this one, taking this as an opportunity to get a second buy here, basically, on their road to their Week 18 game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So here is who will not be playing tomorrow. Linebacker Dylan Cole, linebacker Zach Cunningham, Bud Dupree, Amani Hooker, Nicholas Petit-Friere, Ryan Tannehill, Josh Thompson, Jeffrey Simmons. All will not be playing tomorrow. And then out. we have, they are all out, not playing tomorrow. And then we have three guys who are listed as not questionable, but doubtful to play tomorrow. That is mm. outside linebacker Danico Autry, who just came back last week. You have cornerback Kristen Fulton with that groin injury, also doubtful. And then kind of a shock to everyone today and if you have him on your fantasy team and you're going into the fantasy football championship this week i my my deepest thoughts regrets and, and regards thoughts, thoughts and, prayers. and prayers for you this week but running back <laughs> derrick henry is looking doubtful looking like he's not going to play if you're keeping any hope that he's going to play i'm sorry but i really can't see him playing at all this week if you saw on twitter earlier this week derrick henry said he would be ready and able if needed for this Thursday night football game. But with the Titans listing him as doubtful, I think they're taking this as a chance to get him fully rested and not risking any injury there. 
Yeah, so a couple of things here, JT. First of all, Derrick Henry absolutely could play this week if it mattered at all. Um, he's not. There's a number of guys on this injury report. It's important to point out we don't have the actual report pulled up on our video here. But this is not us listing off all the guys that are out and doubtful and leaving off the guys that are good to go. The entire injury report, top to bottom, outside, I believe, Aaron Brewer at the very bottom. Aaron Brewer, the only guy. He's the only guy. Yeah, everybody else tomorrow. that was injured and on the report this week is out or doubtful, which essentially is almost certainly out. They're not having any of these guys push to play. And I can guarantee you that if this game mattered, Many of these guys would not be out. Many of them would not be doubtful. They'd be playing in this game. So this is a clear indication from Titans staff and coaching that they are punting on this game. They recognize that it does not matter. And they're going to get guys healthy, as healthy as humanly possible for week 18. It also, this game, how many, I mean, you mentioned the fantasy playoffs, JT. How many fantasy championships this week do you think? are going to be directly impacted, if not ruined, by this Thursday night football game. There's some really, really key guys that are going to have some swings in this game, both positive and negative. Like Derrick Henry, doubtful. Yes. Like if you have him and he's one of your bell cows, that sucks. Tony Pollard on the other side of the ball, he's not likely to play in this game. And if so, I, I doubt you see him a ton, especially if it's not really all that close. He's been injured. That's a guy that a lot of people have been riding. If you've got C.D. Lamb, this could be a massive he game kinda, for him. He kind of saved you last week for some people. Might have brought you to no. to this championship here and now. He's he's he, looking like if this goes out to like a twenty-eight to like three ball game in like the second quarter, he might be go. pulled, and you just exactly. really don't have anything to do there. So he's very big boom bust for him in this game. I mean, also if you've got Dak as your quarterback big questions there if you've got Zeke as your running back that's a huge boom bust potential with Pollard probably potentially not getting as much of the run maybe not getting any run you may see a heavy workload day for Zeke especially again if they're just trying to bleed this clock out and they're just going to run him into the ground and get this game over with like there's a lot of fantasy implications and this I, I just you just know one way or another this game's going to be talked about as the one that maybe ruins some some fantasy championship hopes or saves some fantasy championship hopes for people this this week. So that's really fascinating. Um, I had one more thing that I wanted to say. Oh, do you have pulled up the the Cowboys side of the injury? I report? do. So I was okay. gonna run through that real quick. Like you yeah. said, Tony Pollard with his thigh injury hasn't practiced all week, even including the estimated walkthroughs, and he is currently questionable to go tomorrow. So like you said, very much at least for the Titans, a, a good thing. It, it, if he doesn't go, I mean, at least a little bit of the big play possibility for that Cowboys offense is kind of minimized a little yeah. bit. And then there's two other people on the Dallas Cowboys injury report here. Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker, will not play in this game with a neck injury. He did not practice all week. And then someone who popped up on Tuesday and continued to stay limited today is linebacker Micah Parsons, who is questionable in this game. It'll be really interesting. He's pretty important for that defense. He's very yeah. important for that defense. It'll be interesting to see 
if they decide we can win this game without him, you know, maybe we give him a little bit of rest and go into the And uh, frankly, playoffs. that's not a ballsy Just, proposition. I think that that's really isn't. a pretty reasonable proposition. And, and if he doesn't go, you can look at someone like, hey, if, if Micah Parsons doesn't go, at least Dennis Daly gets a little bit of a break as well, not having to go <laughs> but, up against yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, that's the not thing, like though, it matter, I don't, I don't know who Micah Parsons' backup is, but I'm confident that they're still going to be a plus player against Dennis Daly. Like, it's not, For you're sure. not you don't have a mismatch by sitting Micah Parsons out. Um, you're probably still going to get multiple sacks and multiple pressures. Whoever you are going against Dennis Daly, you and I might have multiple sacks and pressures going against Dennis Daly. So, yeah, that's, that's, feet, uh, this, I mean, we 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 jokingly referred to last week as the injury bowl between the Titans and the Texans, but this week really is the injury bowl. I mean, the number of, of big guys on both of these rosters that won't be out there, it's going to be a, it's just going to be a, dis it, disappointment's the wrong word, a disgrace, a um, embarrassment on Thursday Night Football. I'm sure Amazon is not pleased, but, you know, you can't, you can't have all winners, so. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, uh, because they might give some Zeke rest, maybe we see a huge Malik Davis game out of the running back there. Maybe a T.Y. Hilton revenge game for the Cowboys here. Who knows? You might see On this, that yeah. side of the ball. Very possible. Um, but some things to maybe keep the game a little bit interesting for all you viewers out there. Let's move on to a couple other things here. Not just the um, injury report but here, but two other guys who still have not come off the IR and won't be back this week either is David Long Jr. and Kyle Phillips. It's looking more and more like their return this season is a no-go and they're going to stay the rest of the season on the IR. Maybe there's a miracle chance that they finally feel good enough to come back for week 18 when it all matters, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, we've talked about this on the show already. I'm not holding my breath that you get a guy like Kyle Phillips back. I think with David Long, they're probably saving that last IR designation spot for him to potentially return for week 18. But again, he had a similar injury last year, was out for six weeks. This would be a three and a half to four week return, I believe. And so I don't think it's all that likely that either of them comes back. If I'm betting on either of them to come back, I'm betting that it's neither. Um, but yeah, if either of them does come back, it was never going to be this week that they're designated to return. Because again, this week does not matter. Next up here, just talking about how poor this Titans offense has been, regardless of injuries and coaching alike. If the Titans scoring trend continues, they'll be the first team since they've moved to Tennessee to fail to score over 28 points in a single game. It doesn't look like they're going to score that this week against Dallas. And it, you talk about momentum. I think it's going to be hard to score against the Jaguars put up more than 28 points, but maybe it's finally they show you that they're this is the game that matters and they finally do it, but they can't get yeah, it done. It It'll be did. a full season without scoring more than 28 points. Yeah, this stat, I think it was our, our buddy Zach Lyons over at Football and Other F-Words who put this one on Twitter. And obviously we knew that the Titans offense this year had been a joke and abysmal, but I, I wasn't aware of just how bad. And the fact that, again, the only team, the only Titans team since coming to Nashville that hasn't scored 28 points in at least one game. Amazing. Amazing. I saw somebody else tweet out. They they did the what people were doing with the Broncos most of the year. If the Titans scored one more touchdown in each game they played this year, they would be something like 12 and three. Um, this offense has been wildly disappointing. Injury concerns, coaching concerns, personnel concerns. Everything has been a disaster. Really, from the jump, um, it's it's not 
the high point was maybe against Green Bay uh, on Thursday Night Football, which is also the last high point the Titans had before everything fell apart. It's it's needing a full. I mean, we'll we'll talk all offseason about it in at length, so we won't get into it now. But it's needing a full reboot, a full probably blow it up and restart. To what extent, who you keep, who you don't, that's where things get tricky. But significant change from coaching, downing, and uh, some personnel need to go and and need to be brought in. The guys that they don't have, they need they need a lot of help. One more thing that we were talking about earlier, the, just the injuries and how many guys that the Titans have used in games over the past two seasons here, combining players who have taken the field for the team in either 2021 and or 2022, the Titans total is up to 133 players who have appeared in at least one contest. They lead Where's the, that rank in the in league in the NFL. It's number one. And for oh. perspective, the NFL average is 107 players used over the last two years. So they are they 107 versus they had 133 is what yes. you said. Yeah. So it, it, by the way, you have the do you have the list sitting there of all the I teams? Do. So right? Yeah. So at, hang on. Yeah, Let's so, run through these guys and see what the common thread is. Yeah. So the Tennessee Titans here lead the league in 133 players, and they've been good. The Chicago Bears right behind them they've at sucked. 128. Yeah. And the next up, you have tied at third for 119 players used. You have the Houston Texans and Las Vegas Raiders. They've sucked. At number five, with 118 players used, they have the New York Jets. They've sucked. At number six, all tied with 116, you have the Detroit Lions, New Orleans Saints, and New York Giants. All three have sucked badly at different points in the last two years. And then rounding the, out the top the 10, right there? One more? tied for ninth here with 112 okay. at 9 and 10, we have the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so there you finally get some teams that have been decent in recent years. But the point is, for the Titans to be in this department, and again, be at the very top by a clear margin, and also be amongst all these teams that have been dreadful for the most part for the last two years, is both a credit to the coaching staff and the guys that they've had in, in and out of that building, um, but it's also, if you're a Titans fan, it has to be so annoying. Just the fact that this team over the past two years has dealt with this amount of triage and how, frankly, how good they probably could have been if they'd stayed even a little bit more healthy over the past two seasons. It's a disaster, and it's going to be the number one thing that this team has to look into, address, try to fix this offseason. That will be another thing we talk about for months and months throughout the spring and the summer. One final thing to round out this news segment here as we talk about why the Titans have been so good, it's because they've been a dominant defense. It wasn't so long ago that we were comparing them to the 85 Bears just earlier this season. Yeah. And a lot of it has stayed the same. And of course, Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, the Twitter account put out this graphic earlier today about how good the Titans run defense has been this year. Rushing yards allowed, they're second in the league. Yards per carry allowed, they're second in the league. Rushing touchdowns allowed, they're tied third in the league. And rushing first downs allowed, they're tied fifth in the league. And that's all based on how how little you, you give up there. So they're all top five in those metrics. Now, of course, the big players who contribute to those are not going to go this week, but you can only hope that they're back for week 18 and these metrics continue to show up. All right, JT, that has been Titans News with producer JT. Thank you very much. We've got one last segment today, a bit of a game that I'm I'm interested to talk through some 
some uh, it's it's a, a bit of a project I've been working on for nine months, JT, and I'm going to talk through some teams and what their year looked like. But first, if you are not a Broadway insider already, I need to direct you over to broadwaysportsmedia.com slash insider. Go to the more tab, go to become an insider. You can sign up and become an insider and get all of our stuff for uh, for you whenever you want it. You can get all of our video content that's behind the paywall with Mike Herndon show special live streams we'll be doing throughout the year um all of our speedway soccer stuff and nfl content and eventually preds content that we have that some of which will be behind the paywall premium articles from premium writers your favorite writers um we also have early access to certain articles that you love and all of that can be yours if you become a broadway insider today you also get access by the way to some fantasy leagues i've got some uh visa gift cards that i'm about to hand out to some people that won our fantasy competitions this year, gift cards that are going to more than pay for the annual subscription that they got in order to be a part of those leagues. And so that could be you throughout the year. We'll be doing it likely with March Madness. We've got some soccer fantasy things coming up with the new MLS season. We'll have football again next season. All of these things, maybe even a little draft competition. I know that there are things people do out there. Me and JT have a group of guys that do some draft competitions, may even consider that. You can be a part of all of that stuff and more that we have planned down the pipeline. If you become a Broadway insider today, just 99 cents for your first month. It's basically free. If you don't like it, you can cancel, but you will. And it's only 50 bucks, 49.99. If you use code annual to become an annual subscriber, it gets you Broadway insider membership for the whole year for $20 off the regular price. Go and do that code insider for your monthly subscription, just 99 cents for your first month or code annual to get your first year for $20 off, just $49.99. You can set it and forget it. All right, JT. Back in, uh, pull up the tweet. Let's see when this was. I think it was March. I believe it was March. Yeah. Tweet of mine, if you would throw it up on the screen here, March 23rd, 2022. This is around the draft time. This is around free agency. I believe free agency had ended um, or the, the initial rush of free agency had come to an end. And I tweeted out that the following teams, Titans, Colts, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Browns, Ravens, Bengals, all considered themselves AFC contenders, all considered themselves AFC playoff teams. That is 12 of the 16 teams in the conference. Now, obviously, not all of them could be correct. You only have seven from each conference make it into the playoffs. So I tweeted out that five of these teams are wrong and good luck figuring out which five. I was reminded of this tweet this week, and so I went back and found it, and I put out a series of tweets going through, you know, we're nearing the end of the season now. We've got an idea of what these 2022 versions of each of these teams looks like. We can now decide who was right and who was wrong. So, JT, we're going to go through each of these teams that, based on their moves in the the preseason, really before that, in, in the postseason last year, in free agency, they made big money free agency moves. They made big swings in the draft. They behaved like a team that considered themselves a contender, considered themselves in win-now mode. So let's go through each and every team, JT. If you could walk us through each team, we'll talk about who was right and who was wrong. This is right and wrong AFC contender edition. Yeah, let's start off with the hometown team, and let's talk about the Titans. 
So I am leaning towards wrong, and it's for this simple reason. They're not a definitive wrong, but they're a lean wrong. Their miscalculation was that they didn't anticipate completely falling apart physically. This team would be a playoff caliber team if they'd stayed a little healthier. They were unable to do that, and so they are now fighting for their playoff lives down the stretch and doing so without some really, really key players. I think outside of the the physical limitations they've had from a health standpoint, this team would have been right, but because they've been so banged up, they are probably wrong. Move on to another AFC South team here who has found a way mid-season to be both a QB and a coaching carousel. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts are funny every offseason, JT, because the media and national fan bases alike point towards them basically like clockwork at some point in the spring or the summer as the clear favorite in the AFC. The think piece is always, can the Titans or the Jags or the Texans do enough to contend with the Colts this season? It's always hilarious, it's always predictable, and it's always stupid. In recent memory, at least, it's been nothing but crazy pills. This is a team that continues to struggle with their quarterback they have since they lost Andrew Luck. They've been a clown show in terms of their coaching this year. Um, and they've they've crumbled from a team that I saw somebody who is a national media guy. I forget exactly who it was, but he tweeted out earlier this week. Man, I wish I could go back and slap myself for thinking that this Colts team could go 12 and, 12 and 5 this year, which is hilarious and accurate. They were very wrong. They were very, very wrong. They acted like big boy contenders this offseason, and they were wrong in their miscalculation among a many myriad of things ultimately was that they thought Matt Ryan wasn't washed and he's washed. And they also thought that their offensive line was still good. And they also thought that their star running back wouldn't be kind of a one and done guy in terms of having a great year and then dealing with injuries a ton from there on out. They, they were a dumpster fire, they coaching quarterback star players, they miscalculated everything, but ultimately the fact that the guy they traded for to be their new, new quarterback, because they've been going through them like, like, uh, like, like an Oreo snack pack lately. They, they, uh, they thought Ryan was good and he's not. So that was their big miscalculation. Real quick, before we get off the Titans here, I want to just, before we get back on the Colts are going to win the division next year. Uh I'm going to give you three options here. For the Colts before we get into this uh, okay. postseason cycle here. Pick your 2023 Colts QB. Okay. Draft. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo uh-huh. or the newly benched Derek Carr. <laughs> uh, I hope it's Derek Carr because that's the funniest outcome. Uh, I don't think it's very likely. I think that this team has finally, and I'd love to be proven wrong, but I think that they've finally realized they need to fully tear it down and start over and quit trying to just stay afloat with veteran guys that they bring in, middling quarterbacks. Jimmy G's an injury problem. They can't continue to have guys play quarterback that is an injury concern. And he also is not a guy that can really operate as a mobile quarterback. He needs a great bit of protection from his offensive line. Colts' offensive line has not been able to afford that to any of the guys under center this year. And so I think he'd be a horrible option. I think they will go draft. I hope. And I think Titans fans should all be hoping and praying if the Colts go with Will Levis out of Kentucky. He's got like number one overall buzz. I've actually got a ticket on it, even though I think it's insane. I think it would totally be within the NFL's MO to 
to make that decision and for a front office to fall in love with his big arm and his leadership abilities like the, this is a guy that is going to fool somebody i don't see it at all i think he's a massive project with significant downside to go along with a couple of up, upside traits of his so if he ends up in indianapolis i think it's hilarious I, I think it's a horrible move on their part and i think titans fans should be happy that's my guess as to who they probably go with uh, at least drafting a guy and i hope it's will levis let's move on to off the teams here who are leaning and very wrong on their contenders bid this year and someone who you could almost pretty much lock in at the beginning of this year it's the kansas city chiefs yeah, so the Chiefs were right. They pretended, not pretended, they acted like contenders in the offseason, and they were they were right. Even though they shed some key talent, they were banking on Patrick Mahomes as an elite quarterback being able to elevate the guys they put around him. And to his credit, he's been able to do that. He's the clear-cut MVP this season. Garner Minshew putting up the stat line that he did, the performance that he did last week against the Cowboys in relief of Jalen Hurts essentially sealed the deal. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. He's been the MVP. And as much as you don't like it, and I find it annoying as well, he is the reason that this team was right, and they've been right all along. Let's move on to another team who made a lot of defensive additions to their team. And as we talk right now, are finally getting healthy. Just clinched a playoff berth a couple of days ago. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, so the Chargers are one of the three teams not named the Chiefs in the AFC West this past offseason that spent all of the money and resources that they had on building up a war chest to be able to contend with the Chiefs in their own division, which makes sense. And every team in that division outside of the Chiefs did that. They all failed pretty significantly to even get close to the same level as the Chiefs. The Chargers did the best. Um, they're really the only team that did a, a somewhat decent job of this. They were banged up bad in a very bad way early in the season. They've gotten healthier, and as a result, they've kind of found some stability. And like you said, they've punched their ticket into the playoffs, so good for them. I still think they have a coach that's not very good. I do not trust Brandon Staley. Perhaps he can win me back over, prove me wrong. I'm yet to see any of that. I still think that he grossly misuses his star quarterback. I still think that he is suspect at best in terms of his decision-making. And I don't think the personnel is flawless. I think that a first round exit for the Chargers is very much within the cards. And uh, as much as as much as I don't think that they're a Super Bowl threat this year, I, I do have to say that they were almost certainly right. I think that they were a contender and they were right to act as such in the offseason. Move on to another AFC West team here in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, here's a team that tried the war chest thing, uh, but failed miserably. The, the Raiders benching Derek Carr this week because they're essentially trying not to accidentally fall into his injury guarantees. Their big miscalculation was that they thought Josh McDaniels was a good head coach, um, which I would say is an understandable mistake to make, except it's the opposite of that. It's not, it's not an understandable mistake to make at all. He's not. And uh, they made it, and that's the that's that's the boat that they're in now. They seem to be riding with that and going forward with him and letting Derek Carr take the fall for this season. Bold move, in my opinion. I don't think that Derek Carr necessarily is the answer, but I don't think that he's the problem. He's been bad, but we will see. I don't have any faith in Josh McDaniels to be a good head coach ever based on his track record. He has to do a lot to change my mind on that. I think that they, uh, I know that they were wrong to act as a contender in the offseason. And I think that they'll probably act like one again this offseason. 
despite the fact that they're nowhere close. Let's move on to probably what is the biggest fraud on this list. I mean, looking holy cow. back uh, nine months now into the future, it's the Broncos. Yes, yeah, so the Denver Broncos. They acted like among the biggest contenders in the entire league last offseason making the massive move for Russell Wilson. They've got new ownership. The the GM and the, the new head coach seem to be balling out. And Nate Hackett was brought in quietly as Aaron Rodgers trade bait, but ultimately failed in that regard. I mean, th- that was the core of their miscalculation right there, right? They thought Nate Hackett would be a sufficient Aaron Rodgers trade bait. And then when he wasn't, they then doubled down and thought that Russ was super good football and paid him more money than God. And so both of those things have put them in a position now to be without that head coach, first uh, head coach in a while. Well, I say a while, actually, Urban Meyer just did it. Among the very short list of head coaches to ever not finish their first season and be fired before the first season ends. Heck, it was a disaster. Clearly, he was brought in as Rogers trade bait and wasn't actually hired on the merits of his coaching ability. Um, this team is in the desert for the foreseeable future if not forever jt i don't see how they get out of this they're stuck with russ they're stuck with a lot of their guys they don't have a ton of flexibility they need a new head coach it's not a super attractive landing spot there's some problems for this team the defense was right to act like a contender because they were a contending defense unfortunately they were paired with the worst offense in the entire league and it's not particularly close it's been a dumpster fire and i think will remain so for a long time in denver yeah, they're definitely stuck with Russell Wilson, who just a just tied his touchdowns to bathrooms in his house. Hey, give it up ratio. for Russ. Clap, he's clap it up for that beach, one. Right, he's twelve. Well, each. Yep, he's twelve and twelve. He needs one more, baby. To break Two more the games to get one more. By the way, next season doesn't even start his new contract, where he's getting even more money. So, <clears throat> good luck to the Denver Broncos. Let's move on to a team who has a quarterback who throws more touchdowns than Russell Wilson has bathrooms. It's the Buffalo Bills. Yes, the Bills were definitely right. They were always right. This one, I think, was no question. This is a no-brainer. They were correct to act like a team that was contending, and they are a team that's absolutely contending. Nothing to say. They were correct. Move on to the team who absolutely got schooled in the playoffs against the Bills last year and look to make maybe some moves this offseason and into this season. It's the New England Patriots. So the Patriots were likely wrong. Their playoff chances aren't completely dashed. They still have some hope, but it's an outside shot. Their big miscalculation, among other things, was that they thought notably horrible defensive coach Matt Patricia would be a super sick offensive coordinator. And he's been super not. And it's been a a never-ending series of turmoil and hissy fits from their dirty player, Mac Jones, playing quarterback, um, who is, in fact, a dirty player, apparently. That's some really not good looks that have been circulating for him on the internet this week. They seem like a team that's going nowhere anywhere soon. I think that Belichick is fading in terms of his ability to be an elite coach um, and his insular nature with guys like Patricia having him be the offensive coordinator and his inability to hire some new blood um, I think that's ultimately what's doing him in I think that the staff is bad and I think that the personnel they have continues to get worse and worse because they've got inept people running the show move on to another AFC East team here who made a bunch of uh, offseason moves here and have been riding with their quarterback through some injury troubles this season. It's the Miami Dolphins. 
So the Dolphins are leaning towards being correct in acting like a contender last offseason. They're not in the playoffs yet, but they need to win. And I think that they will be pretty comfortably. They they made some big moves and it's paid dividends. Now, Tua is a big question mark in terms of his health. We're not going to get into that, whether he's even going to be able to play again this season. But I think that they're a team that was correct to act like a contender because they're probably going to get into the playoffs and they've got some real weapons on both sides of the ball. Move on to the team that probably takes the silver medal and being the most wrong on this list. It has to be the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so the Cleveland Browns' big miscalculation was that they thought that old Cap- Captain Happy Endings, Deshaun Watson, would be immediately elite after taking a short two-week hiatus from professional football. Turns out he's not. Turns out he looks quite bad through what, three or four weeks now he's played. Um, it's been a problem and a problem that we should have many of us did very clearly see coming uh they were wrong and and they maybe would have been closer to right if they had continued to play with Jacoby Brissett because I think they were averaging close to like three touchdowns a game with Jacoby and now they've had like four since bringing in Deshaun um it's been rough and they were very wrong move on to a team who not only made some moves this offseason but also had a lot of controversy uh, with a bunch of their players this offseason. It's the Baltimore Ravens. And so the Ravens are, were right to act like contenders because they've already punched their ticket to the playoffs. They have won uh, either nine or ten games this season, and they will be the wild card unless the Bengals really slip down the stretch here. They are a team that I think is, you know, although they are right in this exercise and they get credit for that, they need they're having a hard time finding that next year. And I don't think anybody really sees them as a true Super Bowl threat until they get the Lamar situation handled, both in terms of his health and his contract, shore up some key positions on that team. They really don't have a ton in terms of pass catching, pass catching options. Their defense has been very up and down. They were right to act like playoff contenders, but I think that's the only level of contending that they'll be doing. Finally, to round out this segment here, let's finish off with another AFC North team who a lot of people were counting out before the season and calling them a one-season wonder, but they've made their way already and punched their ticket back into the playoffs. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, it's your Bengals, baby. The uh, The Bengals were right. They've punched their ticket. Looks like they're probably going to win that division unless they really slip up down the stretch. And they were right to act like contenders. They shored up that offensive line. Varying results there, but frankly, it hasn't mattered when it hasn't been what they wanted. They've continue to kind of ride the success they had last year whether or not they can have a magical run again this year i think that they'll certainly have to i'll tell you this jt they will have to play significantly better football in the playoffs this year to achieve the same results they will not get by on some of the flukiness they had last year um they they are capable of it i think but they will have to play better than they did last year to get to another Super Bowl. And so in summary, that's all the teams that all 12 of these teams thought they were contenders last offseason based on how they were acting. And the Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, and Bengals were all definitely right. So congrats to those four. Chargers and Dolphins were probably right. So congrats to them. Titans and Patriots might have been wrong for very different reasons. And the Browns, Broncos, Raiders, and Colts were definitely wrong. And so it's interesting always, I think, to, in hindsight, look back on these things and, and see how teams act based on you know whether or not they have a fair and honest grasp of reality of where they are, which teams can be honest with themselves, and which teams are dreadfully wrong about just how good that they are. That's going to do it for the show today. JT, before we go, 
we have an Apple review that has popped up from one of our fantastic listeners. It's at Kenny Blanco one, two, four, two on Twitter. I already went and followed. We're going to follow you JT. And if you are a listener to this show, go follow Kenny, give him a follow fellow Titans fan. Great follow on Twitter. I follow him. JT follows him. You should follow him at Kenny Blanco, like white in Spanish, 1242. He said, five-star review, never miss an episode. There you go, Ken. Loving the show, even before the rebrand. He goes way back. It keeps getting better and better. Got to make my way to the YouTube channel to check it out. Thank you very much for the kind words. And we appreciate all of you who have left us a five-star review and a rating a five-star rating and a review rather, if you've not, it takes 10 seconds right now in your Apple podcasts or Spotify app, scroll to the bottom of the feed. Like you're picking a specific episode of the show all the way at the bottom. You'll see five stars that are grayed out. Click the fifth one, make them all gold. And then there's a review box for you to leave whatever you'd like. Leave us your Twitter handle, your Instagram handle, your TikTok handle, whatever, or your name. Just if you want to shout out, we will read whatever you say. As long as you leave us a five-star review, it's very, very helpful to us to be able to sell the show this spring, which we're going to be doing a lot of. And it's very important to us, much more important than it is to you in the 10 seconds that it takes out of your day to do that. It's literally easier to leave a review than it is to open the podcast app and queue up a podcast episode. It's that easy. Just scroll, click, and you're done. Thank you very much for doing that. And we would, uh, we can't wait to read those that come in over the next coming days. Consider it your Christmas gift to us. Thank us for the year of content by leaving a review. We'll appreciate it. All right, JT, until, let's see, Friday. So through two-ish day, two or three days from now, we'll be back on this feed in the morning to recap what was Thursday Night Football, any Titans developments since then. Um, I will either see you at the game on Thursday night or talk to you shortly after. Have a good couple of days to all of you listening. Have a good couple of days. Uh, enjoy as best you can the Titans Thursday Night Football game. Maybe we'll get a surprise and it'll be interesting in more regards than we expected to, but the expectations are low. We will talk about it nonetheless on Friday. And until then, for producer JT, I am Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you on Friday morning.